Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word blessed has been having a bit of a moment the last couple of years. It began to be used as a catchphrase on social media as a way to indicate to other people that you have something good going on in your life. And after hashtag blessed became a part of social media lingo, the word blessed became ubiquitous in our culture. It's now used as word art for our homes. It appears printed on apparel, and it's part of a larger statement of gratitude and joy. There's a good chance that most of you have at least one thing in your home with the word blessed scrolled upon it in a lowercase script to remind you and others to be grateful for what you have. That is the goal of the cultural usage of the word blessed, a reminder to give thanks for all we have received, as Luther would remind us in terms of food and drink, clothing and shoes, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that we have to support this body and life. By placing the word blessed on these things, you can re be reminded of just how much you have received from the Lord. It's also a way to draw other people's attention to the things of which you are most proud. Pictures of your family, of a vacation, of a newly renovated or redecorated home. Things that have blessed on them show the others the way that you are living and the accomplishments you have achieved. So when we encounter our gospel reading for today, it would seem that Jesus is right on point with his messaging for this morning. He knows the word to use, so he uses it with abundance. Nine times he marks something as blessed in the opening to his Sermon on the Mount. Nine times he holds up the description of people of his kingdom and marks them as blessed because of the condition in which they are found. It's like he has flooded his social media account with all kinds of Thanksgiving quotes on the first day of November, forgetting he needs to spread it, spread it out over the course of the whole month, like everyone else knows you're supposed to do. When we slow down and read what he is marking as blessed, we find that his list is quite different than any blessed list we might create or any condition we would find to be a blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are mourning, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the persecuted, the reviled. Blessed are those individuals, Jesus says. Now this should catch us by surprise, because if we think about what we want in order to be blessed, those are not the conditions we might think of. This is not the list you're going to find scrolled on a pillow and sold at Kohl's. It just doesn't look quite right sitting on your couch. These are not the things you're going to take a selfie of and mark it as blessed online. These are the people who, when we look at their lives, elicit empathy, sympathy, because you can see their struggle and their pain. They appear as people who need our help because they are destitute. So how is it that those are the people that Jesus would mark as blessed? Why would he single them out when they are clearly in need and don't appear to be blessed at all? 
But that's exactly the point Jesus is making with the Beatitudes. These individuals are blessed because they are in need. They are blessed because it is in their need that Christ is able to come and provide beyond their greatest expectation. They are blessed because they hold on to the promise that what they need only Jesus is able to fulfill. He begins with the poor in spirit. To be poor is to be someone who is without, to not have what you might need. In worldly terms, this is a person who is not blessed because they do not have food and drink, clothing and shoes, house and home, so on and so forth. They do not have these things, and so they struggle. They depend on others. They need someone else to provide and support their body and life. So when Jesus identifies the poor in spirit, he's speaking of people who do not have what they need to enter the kingdom of heaven. By their own reason and strength, they're not able to earn a place in God's kingdom. In other words, if Jesus does not intervene for these people, they will not be saved. They are totally dependent upon him and his work to enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to talk about those who mourn. In our context for today, we remember those who are dearly departed in the faith. This is the one of the Beatitudes that's on the top of our minds. For those who are mourning, you feel anything but blessed. There's a pain and a sorrow as you miss the one you loved. Death is never a blessed thing. I've never seen someone frame a picture of a funeral and mark it as blessed online. For good reason. It's not a death that is blessed, but it is those who are mourning that will be blessed because the promise is they will be comforted. The comfort that comes in grief cannot come from within because none of us on our own can fix the problem of death. The true comfort comes to you in mourning, and it is a comfort that only Christ can give. The promise that he has defeated death and that he will raise those who have died in the faith to life everlasting. So your comfort comes from only what Christ can do. The same is true for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness, you will recall, is the ability to stand before God and be declared holy, to be declared right before him and not face his wrath because of the sins you have committed. It is instead to stand before him and receive his blessings and gifts because you are blameless and sinless in his sight. No one can be righteous on their own. Because if you've committed one sin in your life, you can no longer be blameless before God. In fact, if you've ever been conceived, which you have, you cannot be blameless before God because you have inherited sin that has come from your parents all the way back to Adam and Eve. It is in your DNA, and there's nothing you can do to change that condition. It is not possible to be righteous on your own, no matter how righteous you might want to be. So how do you become righteous before God? through the work of Jesus, by his death and his resurrection, through his spirit, which is given to you in baptism, your sins are taken away and you are declared righteous, blameless in the sight of God. But notice again who is the actor in this work. It is God through his son. 
The ability to become righteous is not found within you. It comes from outside of you and is accomplished only through Jesus. And we can go through the whole list of the Beatitudes and see that this is revealed over and over again. When Jesus reveals someone to be blessed, it's not the person who already has what they need. It is not the person for whom all is well in their life. The one who is blessed in the eyes of Jesus is the one who is totally dependent on him. Blessed is the one who looks to Jesus as the author and perfecter of their faith. Blessed is the one who looks to Jesus and places all their hope in him because it is he that gives the blessing. So blessed is the one who turns to Jesus because what Jesus has promised to give far exceeds our imagination. In our epistle lesson, John identifies the blessing as being loved by the Father and that the love he has for you is that you will be called children of God and so you are. It's as simple as that. He doesn't make you jump through hoops. He doesn't make you qualify to be a part of his family. He sees you. He loves you. He calls you his child. And so you are. You are blessed because of what God has done for you. In a few moments, we will sing of the glorious, blessed scene of the church gathered around the throne of God in heaven, dressed in robes, washed white in the blood of the Lamb, it's the fulfillment of the promise that God has given to us because it culminates in the incredible image of God wiping away every tear from the eyes of his children. God's children are blessed. You are blessed, not because of who you are, but because who is keeping the promises for you. You are blessed because you are part of the kingdom of heaven. You are a child of God, a brother of the one who has saved you. In the midst of the hymn, the names of those members of our congregation who have departed in the faith over the last year will be read. It's a way for us to recognize that they are now included in the heavenly host arrayed in white. It's a way for us to give thanks that they are blessed beyond our imagination because what Christ has promised to them has been fulfilled in their sight. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.